So I don't know if you've ever had this feeling where you get to the end of your day and you just flop down on your couch or into your bed and you just think, I know I did stuff today. Like I know I went somewhere. I know stuff happened. Like I know I sat in meetings and answered emails and scrolled through social media and watched way too many reels on Instagram. Like I know I did all that. But like you you wonder like did I actually do anything? Like did anything actually get done? Did anything get accomplished? And especially in this month, almost everybody I talk to right now is just tired. Is just exhausted. A friend of mine recently, uh, we were talking, and he's like, so how are you doing? And I said, I'm just, I'm just trying to get to Christmas. <laughs> like, I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to get to Christmas. And he's like, well, are you enjoying this month? And I was like, after I hung up the phone, I was like, are you, I know you're supposed to enjoy this month. But like sometimes we fill it so much that we actually don't enjoy this month. We rush from you know, one shopping thing and one party and this thing and there's, you know, six parties and, you know, and, and if you have kids, then you're, you know, rushing around, you know, for school parties and, and plays and musicals and there's family parties. And then you throw in your expectations for the holidays because you have expectations for the holidays. And then if, if, you know, your parents have expectations, your in-laws have expectations, your siblings have expectations. So everybody has expectations for the holidays. You just feel run down. You just feel tired. And maybe you looked at your house this week and you thought, you know what? We don't need to put up any Christmas decorations. It's totally fine. We don't need to do anything, you know? And you just feel run down. And this happens throughout the year. It's not just in December. It happens throughout the year. I mean, I'll, you talk to all kinds of people who go on vacation. They come back to work and you're like, hey, how's your vacation? What do they say? Oh, I need another vacation. I need a vacation for my vacation. And we laugh it off and but that's life. That, that's how we live. That's the pace that we run at. And here's what happens, is that that pace actually keeps us from enjoying life. That pace actually keeps us from the moments of relationships. That, place, that pace keeps us from really being happy. Our health suffers we sleep less. We spend more time on technology, which makes us lonelier, according to studies. And then we'll maybe grab sleeping pills, or we'll just have one more drink just to take the edge off to be able to calm down and sleep. And we do all these things to numb ourselves. And then our relationship with God suffers. And as you think about this idea, and, and this is really important, this is where we're headed today. So if you're taking notes, you can write this this down, that there is a difference between being busy and being in a hurry. This is really important. There is a difference between being busy and being in a hurry. See, busyness is really just part of our lives. Busyness is is having a full schedule. And and if you talk to people who who have full schedules and are very productive, they accomplish a lot, they really plan through their busyness. But when you're in a hurry, that's when you feel the frazzledness of life. That's when you feel like, man, we are, we are flying right now. So there is a difference between being busy and being in a hurry. And one of my favorite writers, Dallas Willard, uh, wrote, he said that hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You see, busyness is not a sin. But hurry actually blocks out the things that God is doing. 
See, and, and here's, here's how this fits with Advent. See, Advent is the reminder that you can't hurry anything. See, for 400 years, the people of God waited in silence. And, and not just 400 years, they waited for thousands of years as the prophets throughout the Old Testament said, the Messiah is coming. Isaiah stands before the people of God and says, the Messiah is coming. The king will be born, wonderful counselor, everlasting father. And they're like, well, well when? Well, not in your lifetime. Well, can we hurry this along? And Malachi ends, and there are 400 years of silence. And, and I want us to picture that because I want you to imagine for a moment going your entire life and being told by people around you that there is a God of the universe that speaks. You've just never heard from him. And going, well, could we hurry this along? See, Advent is this reminder that the people of God were not able to hurry the Messiah arrival, and we cannot hurry Jesus' return. But what we try to do in life is we try to hurry everything. I mean, have you ever done this when you're, you know, walking around La Salette, and you're like, come on, hurry it up, come on. We gotta get, we gotta get through this, come on, hurry it up. Like, there's so many lights to see, let's go, come on. Everyone's like, well, can we just enjoy? No, we can't. Come on, come on. We gotta hurry. We gotta get, we gotta see all of them. There's a goat we gotta get to, and there's like popcorn and there's s'mores. We gotta, we gotta do all the things. And do you feel that franticness? Like I felt stressful just talking about that. But that's how we hurry. That's how we hurry through life. And we hurry this in relationships, right? Can you just hurry up and change? Can you hurry up and like fix yourself? Like, like I don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life, but if you could just hurry up and get on his page. We do this in prayers. God, could you just hurry up and, and answer this? Can you hurry up and heal me? Can you hurry up? Can you just hurry up? And Advent is this reminder that we cannot hurry God. And Advent is this reminder as well that God's good plan is not meant to be hurried. And so if you find yourself in a place right now going, I wish something would move faster, Advent is your season. And again, as I said last week, Advent begins the church calendar. The church calendar does not begin with Easter. The church calendar does not begin with Good Friday. The church calendar does not begin with the day of Pentecost when the church is born and the Holy Spirit pours out Onto the, onto the people of God. That, that's not where the church calendar begins. The church calendar begins with the people of God saying, God, could you hurry up? And I think it's important for us to understand this. this. This is such a gift from God. This is God's good grace to us that he starts the church calendar in this place where we live most of our lives. We don't live most of our lives in celebratory moments. We live most of our lives with, could this be over? Could this pick up the pace? Could we get to the end? <laughs> could we find out how, could we get there? That's where we live most of our spiritual lives. And in the same way that the people of God could not make the Messiah come any quicker, we cannot make Jesus return any faster. And so we wait. And in that waiting, we get to this place where we're just kind of tired of waiting. And in that place, we get one of the most incredible invitations from Jesus, found in Matthew 11. This is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. 
And it's interesting because it, in the context of it in Matthew 11, Jesus is talking at the beginning of Matthew 11 about doubts and people doubting him and struggling to believe that he's who he says he is and questioning, God, are, is this, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? And, and Jesus answers these questions and then says this in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so Jesus starts off and he says, come to me. And and this is important because most of us do not have a picture of God as inviting us. Many of us have this picture of God where, where he is at arm's length from us, where he has disappointed us, where he is holding out on us. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Jesus invites us. He says, come to me. Come to me. See, the gospel of grace is an invitation for you to come home. And Jesus doesn't just say, come to this place. He doesn't say, come to heaven. Jesus says, come to me. He says, I am the invitation. I am the one that you are invited to. And we have, we have this idea, and this is why we hurry, and this is why we're frazzled, and this is why we push through things spiritually, is, is because we don't have this relationship with God of wanting to be with us. I want you to just picture this for a moment. Because maybe you have felt loneliness this holiday season. You have felt betrayal. You have felt like people aren't there for you. You have felt this throughout your life. And the God of the universe wants to be with you wants to be with you. And so Jesus says, come to me. But who is he inviting? This is important. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. That word weary means extreme tiredness and fatigue. Like that's not just, like I could use a nap. Like, do you, do, you, do you know the feeling of weariness? That feeling where you're just like, I don't know that I can even move. <laughs> where you're just so exhausted. And, and we try to mask this, right? We try to rush through life. We try to, you know, get through it with, you know, just a little bit, you know, of caffeine, you know, just having that donut halfway through the morning or, you know, get that five-hour energy, like, right at the right time in the afternoon, Right? If we just get that cup of coffee at 1.30 in the afternoon, it'll get us all the way to the end of the day. And we try, to, we try to mask our weariness. But have you noticed that our tiredness kind of runs from one season to the next? You've, you've seen this. Well, you've seen this in other people's lives. We'll talk about other people for a moment. Like when you talk to people and you say, hey, how are you doing? And they're like, oh, man, it's a busy season. You see them again you know, a month later. Hey, how's it going? Oh, man, it's a busy season. Is it the same season or is it a new season? Like, which one is it? And, and we do this, and, and it just like runs from one thing to the next. We run from one season into the next, and we go, man, when is this season going to end? But this weariness is this fatigue. And there's different kinds of weariness. There's different kinds of, of extreme tired. I, the most obvious is physical. Okay, that's the most obvious. But there's also a mental weariness that we have in our lives. Because right now, we, we take in more information than, than honestly we're designed to take in. 
You scroll through social media and there's so, many, so, many, so much bad news that you're just overwhelmed by it. And you just think, man, how, how do I even survive? We take in so much. There's an emotional weariness. Have you ever had this feeling where, where someone calls you or texts you and you just think, I, I don't know that I have the capacity to talk to them? Because you are emotionally beat. You are emotionally weary. There's a spiritual weariness that happens. And if you've walked with Jesus for any length of time, you've probably had a season where you just thought, you know what? I don't even know that I can keep praying. I I don't even know that I can muster faith for this. I don't even know that I can get up and go to church today. We have a spiritual weariness that happens. And Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. So Jesus says, if you're tired, my invitation is to come to me. If you are overwhelmed, my invitation is for you. If you're exhausted, run down, burned out, frazzled, if you can't, if you can't take one more Christmas song and Christmas party and Christmas joy, Jesus says, my invitation's for you. If you think I can't take one more text from that person, Jesus says, my invitation is for you. And this is why Peter, the disciple of Jesus, who we talked about last week, said, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And that word cast means that we are throwing our anxiety on Jesus. We're not just handing it to Jesus. We're not like calmly walking up going, do you want to take this? No, no, no. Like, Peter says, chuck your anxiety and your cares on Jesus. I love that visual. (laughs) Like, I love being able to go, okay, all of the weariness that I'm carrying Jesus, like, here. And that's, and why? Not because we're mad at Jesus, not because we're mad at God, but because he says, because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. He cares for you because you're lonely. He cares for you because you're tired. He cares for you because you are run down. He cares for you because you're exhausted because your kids won't sleep for longer than two hours. He cares for you. He cares for you because you're alone at Christmas. He cares for you. And I love what Dane Ortland said. He wrote this great book called Gentle and Lowly on this passage. And he said, you don't need to unburden or collect yourself and then come to Jesus. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. I love this picture because we have this idea that I have to like get my act together and then I can come to Jesus. Talk to so many people like, oh, once I get my act together, then I'll come to church. Like once I get like all of this together, then I'll come to church. Jesus says, no, no, no. Like your burden, your weariness is what qualifies you to come to Jesus. And here's what happens. Jesus says, when you come to me, I will give you rest. Rest is a gift from God. Rest is not missing out on something, right? I remember growing up and, you know, we, we would talk about the Sabbath day. We'd talk about, you know, and, and it was not fun. I didn't look forward to it at all. But rest is this gift from God. And rest is more than a, than a nap or a long night's sleep. When Jesus talks about rest, he's talking about a deep soul rest. And here's what this might look like. A deep soul rest is when you know you are loved by God and you no longer strive to be loved by God. 
you know that there is nothing that you can do to get more of God's love or get less of God's love. There's nothing you can do to get more of God's grace or less of God's grace. You are at this deep soul rest when you no longer work to prove yourself worthwhile to God or to other people. You say, I'm, I'm as worthwhile in the eyes of God as I will ever be. There isn't anything I can do to make God go, man, you're incredible. There isn't anything for you to do for God to sit back and go, that's the star right there. But we have this idea that we think, man, if I, if, if I suffer enough, if I, you know, give enough, if I read my Bible enough, if I do. we walk with Jesus. We're with Jesus. A yoke is what farmers uh, use when, when, they're, when they're plowing their fields. This is what they would use in the first century. And, and what would happen is if you took a, a younger, more immature animal and you put him in a yoke by himself, he would just push. He would just go. And, and so an experienced farmer would take a more mature, wiser animal and they would hook him up to a younger younger ox. Why? So they don't die. Right, and you know this. I mean, this is why, this is why I love, you know, our, our groups and, and having people of different ages. Because as you get older in your 20s and your 30s and your 40s, you just think, man, I gotta, get, I gotta make this happen. I gotta get to this. And you're all frazzled and you're worried about every single stage of life. And you're like, man, like, are my kids gonna even like turn out? Like, what's gonna happen? And you, you sit with someone in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, and they're like, hey, it's totally fine. Like, it'll be okay. <laughs> I know this feels like awful right now, and, but it's okay. In fact, it could actually get worse. <laughs> you love it when someone older than that tells you that. <laughs> like, but that's the picture of this. That's the importance of the church family. And Jesus says, come to me and you will find rest. And we find rest by walking with him. And no matter how hard we push, no matter how hard that younger ox push, they can't ever move the older one. They stay at the pace of the older one. And eventually, they understand the pace. And the same thing happens in our discipleship with Jesus is we push and we push and the more we spend with Jesus, the more time we sit at his feet, the more time we spend in his word and praying with him and and practicing spiritual practices of silence and solitude and community, the more time we do that, we move at his pace. We move at his pace. Notice, Jesus doesn't say, hey, come to me and we'll move at your pace, whatever pace you wanna do. He's like, that's fine. We'll do whatever you want to do. He doesn't say that. Come to me. 
And what he is saying is the pace that you want to keep is not a good one. It's not a good one. Why? Because things unfold in this timetable. And some of us right now, we're in a season, maybe you're in a season of life where Jesus is saying, no, no, you're rushing. You're rushing your, your friends, you're rushing your family, you're rushing the stuff. You need to slow down. I remember talking to an older pastor who was, who was uh, loved gardening. And I was telling him, you know, I was saying, man, I just I was in my 20s and I was like, you know, I want things to move faster. And he goes, Josh, he goes, be wary of things that grow quickly. He said, it's usually fungus and weeds. <laughs> and he said, same thing's true in the spiritual life. And Jesus says, come to me and take my yoke. And here's what we have to understand. To be able to enter into this rest, we have to see that the yoke of Jesus and the pace of Jesus is a good gift. Because I think all the time, you know what? If God would just get on my timetable, things would be better. And this is the battle for us. This is our battle. But what a gift. But not only that, Jesus says, that when we come to him and we take his yoke upon him, us, and learn from him, Jesus says, I love this line, I am gentle and humble in heart. See, when people say, like, what is God like? Like, how do I know what God is like? Well, we know through Scripture that we see God in Jesus. Because Jesus says, you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. And so Jesus describes, what, is, what does he say the Father is like? What is, what is God like? Jesus says, I am gentle and humble in heart. Gentle. I mean, that's that picture of just care. Right? Where, where, where a parent just picks up a child and just holds them. Right? And we rest in that place. You remember that when you were a little kid? And, and that gentle parent just picks you up and you just fell asleep. And Jesus says, this is what relationship with me is like. I am gentle and humble in heart. And, and when we are in this place of experiencing God's gentleness and God's rest, we are able to let go. We are able to just enter into that and to just rest. And that comfort, and he says, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest, peace, contentment, a deep, trusting calm. And then he ends with, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, this is the only verse in the entire Bible that uses the word easy. Only verse. And Jesus says, in my rest, it is easy. On my timetable, it is easy. But we spend so much of our energy. How much energy do we spend just fighting against that? If I can make this happen, if I can do this, if I can push and push and push and push, and Jesus says, okay. I always imagine, like, especially, like, for, for those of us who are really, like, pushing in our, in our faith journeys, like, we're, we're there with Jesus, and we're, we're just pushing, and we're huffing, and our hooves are just hitting the ground, and Jesus is like, okay. 
Well, we'll keep going. Like, but what grace? He doesn't say, if you push too hard, then I'll, I'll go find a different ox to, to line up with. No, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus doesn't say, here are the three steps to rest. He says, rest, a deep soul rest, is found in me. It's found in me. So as you think about your soul, how's your heart rate? How's your stress level? How's your anxieties and your worries? Have you taken any deep breaths in the last couple of weeks? Have you been able to smile and laugh and enjoy any moments? Those are all pictures of a soul at rest. When you're able to stop and watch the sunset at 3.05 in the afternoon, just soak it in. (laughs) That's a gift. It's a gift. Because some parts of the world, the sun just doesn't come up. So, you know, it's a gift. But we soak it in. We had our staff party a week ago, and we laughed so hard. And I just sat there, and I was thinking about this, this passage and this sermon, and I just thought, this is, this is our souls at rest, just laughing till it hurts. Our soul is when we're able to sit there and to just sit down and to just be in silence in the presence of God and to just sit there and to, as Peter says, to just cast all of our cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. So this Christmas, as we get ready to take communion, here's what I want us, invite us to do. That we're going to take a moment here and we're going to give all of our cares and worries to God because he cares for you. One of the things that we're told to do before communion is to just confess, to come to Jesus, to confess our sins, to bring to him those things. It's a time for us to examine our hearts and I think it's a good opportunity for us to say, okay, like what worries and, and what things am I carrying? What, what things am I shouldering into this season? And so I wanna give you a moment before we take communion together for you to just say, God, this is what I'm carrying. So just right where you are, just in this silence for a moment. Just say, God, this is, this is my worries. This is my anxieties. This is what I'm carrying.